John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand everywhere on the 710 Seattle Sports app. Now, John Clayton. It's next man up with the Seahawks. It's next man up here from 10 a.m. to noon on 710 ESPN Seattle. I'm Curtis Rogers, filling in for the Professor John Clayton today. Shout out to you for making us part of your morning here on 710 ESPN. We've got plenty in store for you over the next two hours. Coming up at 10.30, it's Masters Day. We're kicking it off. Uh, Jim Gray, the legendary sportscaster Jim Gray, will give you a preview of John Con- John's conversation with him, uh, the schooled podcast with Jim Gray this week. Uh, so we will give you a little snippet of that coming up at 10.30. Michael Bumpus at 11. And then old buddy Brock Heward stopping by at 11.30. So much to get to in this one. So why bother wasting any more time? Let's get into the top five stories of the day. Number one. Chris is running more so than Carlos is able to at this time. Chris is ahead of Carlos coming back. Um, he's going to run uh, today and tomorrow. We'll see how, that, how he handles that. Um, I can't tell you anything more than that right now. I wish I could. We wish you could too, Pete. Both Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde not practicing on Wednesday, still dealing with those injuries. Chris Carson with that midfoot sprain. Carlos Hyde with the shoulder injury. Both DNPs on Wednesday. Good news, Travis Homer and DJ Dallas. They were full participants on Wednesday. Homer with that knee. DJ Dallas nursing that arm and wrist. As a precaution, Seattle added Bo Scarborough to the the practice squad on Wednesday. You might remember him for his cup of coffee with the Seahawks back in 2018. Play with the Lions last year in 2019 or for you Husky fans hate to bring this up but all oh, that Peach Bowl that all oh, that Peach Bowl Bo Scarborough ran all over the dogs that day how will Seattle be able to compensate for these injuries on Sunday well look I, I'm expecting it to be very similar to what we've seen over the last two weeks I think DJ Dallas gets the start Travis Homer's out there you got Alex Collins on the active roster it's not going to be pretty it's not going to be Chris Carson fighting for all those yards that he does being the angry runner that he is but I think Seattle's running game is going to be what it was the last couple of weeks another key injury to watch though Ethan Posick starting center getting that concussion he was a DNP on Wednesday did not practice how will Seattle be able to slow down Aaron Donald without Ethan Posick who has been one of the more pleasant surprises on this 2020 Seahawks roster how will the running backs play on Sunday against Donald as he tries to snake in there and snuff every Thing out. How will Russell Wilson stand back in the pocket with Ethan Posick potentially not playing on Sunday? Michael Bumpus, he's going to join me at 11 a.m. as we dive further into the Seahawks-Rams matchup on Sunday. Number two. Got a real chance to play this week. Yeah, he does. This might be his, his coming out party, so I'm trying to give you a little love there. You've asked me for weeks, and all of a sudden you don't. Um, I'm, I'm hoping he's going to play this week, so uh, I'm looking forward to getting him involved. My advice to Pete Carroll and the Seahawks, don't leave snacks on the shelf too long or else they'll expire. Snacks Harrison yesterday getting that encouraging word from Pete Carroll, as you just heard, saying he's likely to make his long-awaited Seahawks debut on Sunday. It feels like we've been chomping at the bit for this. It feels like we've been counting down the days, the moments, the seconds until we'd see Snacks Harrison on the field. How big of a difference will his presence be on Sunday going up against this Rams rushing attack? that has taken people by surprise because they don't have 
Todd Gurley anymore, but they've still been able to be effective on the ground. So, what what is Snacks Harrison? We're two years removed from him being named the best run stuffer in the league by Pro Football Focus back in 2018, but that was before he went to Detroit and really took his foot off the gas pedal. Heck, Snacks Harrison even told people that he purposely put on weight so that the Lions would get rid of him. Has the secondary of Seattle surpassed the defensive line as the biggest weakness? You look at the D-line now for the Seahawks. You'll you'll likely have snacks on Sunday. You'll have Carlos Dunlap out there. You've got Rasheem Green, LJ Collier's depth. Puna Ford is out there. I think the defensive line is finally starting to come together. But that secondary, oh, that secondary. It is the bane of everyone's existence right now. Oh, it has just been so brutal over the last couple of weeks. How will they be able to slow down Jared Goff through the air? What other challenges will Seattle's defense face in going up against those Rams on Sunday? Brock Heward, he's going to drop by at 11.30 a.m. to explain. Number three. I don't think any, any of us had thought at this point that uh, that we'd be playing like we are. I don't think anybody, uh, as hard as we work, guys are here early, staying late, putting in the time. The numbers aren't nowhere where, where, we, where we expect it to be. Some things are going well and a lot of things aren't. The guys are fighting. The guys care. The guys are coming up. They're staying late. They're trying to figure it out. And um, I really like the attitude and the commitment that everyone has shown, the togetherness, to understand that the hole that we've dug together and we're going to have to find a way to, you know, get out of the darkness and get and find some light. Well, it's going to be a lot easier said than done as the Seahawks defense continues to look for answers. That's defensive coordinator Ken Norton Jr. as he spoke to the media yesterday, saying this defense isn't where anyone thought it would be through eight games. And, well, yeah, no duck. And everybody thought this defense was going to be so much better than what they have shown through the season's first eight games. They're on a historical pace, a historically bad pace, and no one wants to be a part of bad history. They say, you know, you either make history or you become history. And in this instance, the Seahawks would be making it in the worst way possible. How will Seattle's secondary look without Shaquille Griffin or Quentin Dunbar this week? Dunbar obviously has not gotten, uh, you know, a good bill of health over the last couple of days and as we all saw against Buffalo he was struggling he was he had a ticket on the struggle bus against the Buffalo Bills Shaquille Griffin dealing with the hamstring dealing with the concussion issues so who gets the start opposite of Trey Flowers on Sunday well DJ Reed come on down and it really speaks to I guess the mess that Seattle secondary has become this season when Trey Flowers of all cornerbacks is the very best one Seattle has halfway through the season. Imagine saying those words in training camp heading into this season. Imagine thinking that Trey Flowers was the biggest safety blanket Seattle would have in their secondary right now. I mean, yeah, Quandre Diggs and Jamal Adams, they're playing you know, at the safety position. Jamal Adams trying to knock off that rust. But Trey Flowers, he's been steady as he steady as he goes the last couple of weeks. Will Blackman, former NFL defensive back, uh, who played briefly with the Seahawks in the preseason during the Legion of Boom days, he was on with Tom Jake and Stacey yesterday. He said that defense, the Legion of Boom defense, used to speak their own language. It, 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 at least that's what it felt like to him. Everybody knew their assignments. Everybody knew what everybody else was going to do. Are they getting lost in translation this season? Sure looks like it, because that defense against Buffalo did not stand a chance. Can Seattle generate the same pass rush they did against Buffalo? 
I like their chances. I like their chances. I think Carlos Dunlap is motivated. I think he is ready to play uh, a, a tremendous, tremendous football for the Seahawks. And I think Snacks Harrison, he's going to command some double teams, freeing up other people. I think that pass rush has now become the lesser of two evils on this Seahawks defense. Number four. I think it's physical. I think it's fast. And I think it's stopped the run. You know, it's a stop and run, and obviously that's going to really be put to the test this week. I think they're playing as a unit, Joel. You feel the confidence. You feel the swagger. You feel the, the togetherness of that unit. That They take a lot of pride in the way they're playing right now. So really excited. I mean, obviously this is this is going to be an incredibly tough uh, team. We're going up against a great offense that can obviously not only run the ball, but has a very good passing attack as well. So it will be a good challenge. That's Indianapolis Colts head coach Frank Reich talking uh, as they preview this game tonight. Colts and Titans on Thursday Night Football. And when you think of Thursday Night Football, you think of the Tennessee Titans. At least I do. It seems like they're always playing on Thursday night, wearing those uh, like light blue, powder blue uniforms. We're probably going to see them again tonight as they take on the Colts. Which of these teams is actually for real? First place in the AFC South. It's on the line. Five and three Indianapolis, six and two Tennessee. The Colts reeling after that loss to the Ravens, where Baltimore really clamped them down in the second half and took it to them. Kickoff is set for tonight at 5:20 p.m. You can catch it on Fox, NFL Network, and Amazon Prime. Number five. The challenge is that we've never had a run up like this, and the preparation is, is very different. We weren't look like we weren't look like we we're going to have this event. The fact that we we're able to have this opportunity, be able to play in it, it's, it's great. But also the the run up has been very different. The course setup is different. You know, the having the Bermuda the way it is, and the ride not quite taking hold mm-hmm. yet. A lot of shots are a little bit different around the greens. The bumper run shots are not really there anymore. Um, a lot of pop ups and. Guys are, are taking divots, and you know, there are a lot of divots around the greens, which we normally don't see, but that's the way it's going to be on the entire week. That is the voice of Tiger Woods, who was currently in third place early on in the Masters. He shot a minus three through eight, looking good out there at Augusta. Webb Simpson and Lee Westwood currently leading in the first round. Simpson through 11. He is at minus five. The odds-on favorite, Bryson DeChambeau, he has been up and down throughout the first uh, half of the first round. He's even through 10. Everybody kind of figured he was going to be in contention this week and still a long way to go. This morning, play was halted for three hours due to torrential downpours in the Augusta area, but weather has picked up. It's almost 80 degrees down there in Georgia here in the middle of November. Tiger Woods, Jordan Speed teeing off in the same pairing this morning. Coming up today at 10.30 a.m., you think of Tiger Woods, you think of all the interviews he's done. Well, somebody that we're going to have on, Jim Gray, uh, he played or he interviewed Tiger Woods a lot over the years. Uh, we'll play a snippet of John Clayton's school podcast with legendary sportscaster Jim Gray as he previews his book, Talking to Goats. That's coming your way at 1030. Hey, you can listen to this show and all shows via the 710 Sports app. It is powered by the Dubin Law Group. Coming up in this hour, like I said, Jim Gray coming your way at 1030, and we'll go behind the lines on the NFL today as it's Thursday night football later on. But coming up next, under further review, how should the Seahawks balance things when playing two games in the span of five days? We answer that question next. I'm Curtis Rogers filling in for the Professor John Clayton on 710 ESPN Seattle.
Under Further Review with John Clayton. We'll review the play. No time to sleep, no time to take the foot off the gas pedal. If you were the Seattle Seahawks looking at the road ahead, obviously Sunday looms large in the NFC West, but that's not the only big game the Seahawks have on tap over the next week or so. In fact, the Seahawks, they play a span of five five days. They'll have two games in that and two divisional games to be precise. You've got the Rams on Sunday, and then next Thursday, it'll be the Arizona Cardinals coming to Seattle. So how will the Seahawks be able to balance these two games? Do you go all out against the Rams and maybe leave yourself a little bit vulnerable against the Cardinals come Thursday night? How do you balance it out when when you've got somebody like Chris Carson, whose health may determine how this Rams game goes, and the Cardinals game? Do you want him going twice in the span of five days? Well, Brock Heward, he joined Danny and Gallant this morning morning and answered those very two questions you play two games over a span of five days how do you handle the return of someone like Carson when you have that stretch if you're playing him against the Rams you expect him probably to go against the Cardinals yeah if he can go he can go Paul period end of story you just I I, you know I I think in in this season especially where news changes every single day where who knows what the schedule is going to look like right and it's been fairly stable in the NFL for the last three four weeks, but there's no guarantee of that. You have no idea uh, of where this thing is ultimately going to unfold over the second half of the year. And you need this one. You need this one in the division. Uh, you need it badly. You need to protect that defense on the field. You do that by running the football a little bit more. Russell feels, you just, you, you sense it. He just feels better when 32 is on the field. So if he can go and he's 90 to 95% or whatever he is, and he's cleared to practice and he starts to, and I know he he did not practice yesterday, but if he starts to practice today, he's full go Friday, you play him. You can't think about Thursday. Uh, you got to think about winning this game, defeating this opponent that Russell is 3-7 and seven against in his last 10 times out. So that this is the crew that's right in front of you. If you want to win this division and you want to host playoff games, you've got to take care of business Sunday. Which of these games is most important for Seattle? Is it the one against the Rams or is it Thursday against the Cardinals? I know you can't try and, oh, well, this is less important. We'll stack our personnel. They, they need to play everybody they have available, but strategically. If I could pick who, which one they would win, it'd be, yeah. it'd be the Cardinals. They already beat you okay. once. And then you get the Rams later at home. The Rams, I think, are a little bit more vulnerable. The Rams against certain teams and matchups where Jared Goff's going to play between the tackles is going to have his problems as he has shown this year. I don't think that's going to be Sunday against these Seahawks in this matchup. So yeah, if I if I had to pick and choose and say, okay, you're gonna be seven and three, which which one of these do you want to win? Yeah, I think you want you want to even it up with the Cardinals, give them yet another loss, and you know, make sure you take care of business down the stretch. I look at the next two games for the Seahawks, and Brock pointed this out in that clip. You cannot you cannot mess around with the Rams. You cannot let them get any sort of edge on you because look at the tiebreak scenarios in the NFC West. You're already trailing the Cardinals when it comes to the tiebreak and they're just a game behind you in the division. You've got the Rams who are a game behind you right now, but if they beat the Seahawks on Sunday, all of a sudden you're trailing them because of the tiebreaker. You're both 6-3 and three through nine games. L.A. would hold the tiebreak over Seattle, which means Seattle is in second place. If you're the Seahawks, I don't think you can worry at all about your game plan five days down the road after, you know, 
after the Rams game or four days down the road after the Rams game because they play on the Thursday. You absolutely have to beat the Rams on Sunday, and then you worry about the Cardinals coming up. You cannot game plan on Sunday saying, oh, well, I mean, yeah, we'd get Chris Carson more healthy against the Cardinals, but if he's only 80% against the Rams, like maybe that gives us a worse shot against the Cardinals. No. You've got to get the best team possible, the best team you can assemble out there against this Rams ball club coming up on Sunday. And if that means putting Chris Carson out there at 75 80%, I think you got to do it. You absolutely have to do it because what he gives Seattle's offense is just such a, a nice change of pace from what we've seen with DJ Dallas and what we've seen from T- Travis Homer because when Carson is out there, you have to account for him. You absolutely have to make sure that somebody is watching him at all times. And when he's not out there, defenses can key on Seattle's passing game a little bit better. We saw it against Buffalo. They were able to generate multiple turnovers off the Seahawks, four in total, including a pair of interceptions. You look at what the Cardinals were able to do after Chris Carson left the game. Russell Wilson struggled with interceptions against Arizona. You bring Carson back into this lineup, and all of a sudden the defense clicks even more so than what we've seen uh, against Buffalo and even more so than what we saw against Arizona. To me, I, I don't think there's any doubt that if you put Seattle at full strength, they are better than this Rams team. The problem is they are seriously lacking in full strength. Uh, they are seriously lacking in all of that because you've got not just injuries to Carson on the offensive side of the ball, but Shaquille Griffin on the defensive side of the ball. What he brings to that secondary is is stability, much in the same way Carson brings that to the offense. And right now, as we talked about in the top five, you've got Trey Flowers, who is your best cornerback on this team. And I don't think there's any question about that, which is wild to say in on November 12, 2020, because of what we've seen from Flowers over his previous two seasons. He was a liability in 2019, but this year, steady. Steady, And that's all you can ask for from the Seahawks defense right now. That's all you can ask for because, holy cow, they just cannot find any sort of uh, any sort of consistency from game to game. You saw it against the 49ers three quarters in a row where they played well. It was 30-7 to at one point, but then that fourth quarter came, and then it bled into the Bills game for the entirety of it. Josh Allen, he was... He was lethal last week. You don't want to give Jared Goff that kind of time. You don't want to give Goff the same kind of time you gave Josh Allen, You know the same kind of windows that Allen was throwing into, because if you do that with this wide receiver group that the Rams have, with Robert Woods and with Cooper Cup, you don't want to give them any sort of extra space because it's going to be a long day for Seattle. So that's why the importance of Sunday is far, far more important than what anything the Cardinals can bring four to five days from now. Coming up next here on with, uh, we got Jim Gray, legendary sportscaster. He joins for a preview of this week's episode of Schooled with John Clayton. By the way, tell your smart speaker to play 710 ESPN Seattle. Remember, you can always listen to 710 on your smart speaker or app i'm curtis rogers filling in for the professor john clayton jim gray up next it's john clayton powered through the alaska airline studio two hours every day 10 to noon streaming live at 710sports.com on demand on the 710 seattle sports app you talk about great timing okay week nine national football league 
big game is a, a Sunday night game between Tampa Bay and the New Orleans Saints and so many things to, to look at in that one. It opened up the season, but the big thing is that this is the game that features Tom Brady and joining us on School with the Professor to talk about a book he just did called Goats, you know, obviously the greatest of all time. And he went and talked to so many of the great players in all sports and of course Jim Gray of course has been I don't know how many years Jim has it been that you've been doing uh, the Tom Brady interviews on Westwood uh, more than a decade now and uh, great to talk to you John uh, always always good to be with the professor and it's called talking to goats talking to goats talking, and, talking to goats and of yeah. course it's the moments you remember and the stories you've never heard and so this is why it's going to be great it's, and it's coming out on November the 10th so the timing is great there uh, it's when William Morrow is doing this and of course you know, you'll be able to get the stories on Tom Brady, Muhammad Ali, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Mike Tyson, Barry Bonds Hank Aaron, Michael Phelps DJ, Dr. J and so many and of course the book is you know Talking to Goats with Jim Gray so Jim of course I guess with this week being the game between Tampa Tom Brady the problems with the Patriots how do you look at what's happened to Tom Brady going to Tampa Bay and Tom Brady leaving the New England Patriots well I think it I think it was just time John you've been around the National Football League your entire professional career and we hadn't seen a run like this where a guy who had had you know, this much success with the same coach and the same ownership, you know, uh, be able to win six championships. It's obviously unprecedented and uh, hasn't happened before. Extremely unlikely to happen again, even though you never say records won't be broken. But to have a run like that, it would seem difficult. But Al Davis used to say it all the time, uh, the great owner of the Raiders and Hall of Famer and seminal figure in the history of the National Football League. He used to say, The voice wears thin after 10 years, and that was the case with uh, John Madden, and Al just thought, as great as John was, it was time to move on, and and, and John won all those games, and, you know, fastest coach to win 100 games, won a Super Bowl, and so John, you know, got got off the plane and started getting on the bus and had an unbelievable, unprecedented uh, broadcasting career and video game career um, and real estate uh, magnate. Uh, uh, because that voice that Al thought had worn thin. Then same thing happened to Tom Flores, won two titles, and, and, and they, you know, departed after 10 years. So this was 20 years of a coach being in a player's ear uh, and, and, and having all that success. And I think for Tom it was just time. There was no acrimony. Uh, there's no anger. There's no bitterness. There's no, you know, he he came there as nobody, and he left uh, the most revered player in the history of the National Football League. So he went to Tampa. He wanted a change. Uh, it looked like the club wanted a change. If the club didn't want a change, they, they would have offered him a new contract. They would have offered him a contract, you know, that would have been along the likes of, of what other people in his position uh, are, are being afforded, even at his uh, uh, older age, because his performance is, is still... Uh, tremendous and and intact and you know he's won three Super Bowls in the last few years, so um, what happens here is is not abnormal. It it was abnormal that he was there that long. So he's he he wanted to move on. Likes the warm weather. He's happy in Tampa. Uh, the club wanted to move on, and it doesn't have to be that that somebody was mad or angry or disappointed or upset or. You know, their vitriol or, or the, you know, there was a big brawl or a fight. And to my knowledge, uh, 
and, and to everything that Tom has told me, um, very happy with those people, happy with this experience there, and grateful for it. Yeah, but that's the thing that's so so different about this because you know from Robert Kraft's mind, I mean, he you know presumably Tom is going to be held in New England the same way that John Elway was held in Denver, and you would figure that at some point had he stayed, and of course you never know about the future going back and something like that, you know, in a front office capacity or whatever, that you know Tom Brady uh, would be eventually a big part of the Patriots in the future, and of course uh, it probably had to hurt Robert to not have Tom Brady there, uh, particularly for as much as he meant for the franchise. Because again, as everybody now agrees, and of course, you know, in talking to goats, I think we all agree that Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback of all time. But, uh, you know, you just never thought you'd see him away from New England. Well, I mean, but they had, they had all this time to, to figure this out. And for whatever the reason, you know, those parties didn't come together so that that, that, that occurred. So when you say he has to be disappointed, he was a big part of the equation. So, you know, when you own the team, you can do what you want. You know, you, those people work for you. You don't work for them. So uh, not saying that this is what Bob Kraft wanted. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he didn't want it. But if, he, if, he, if he's going to feel this type of disappointment, and, and I'm sure it is upsetting and hard for him. But, you know, the best way to predict your future is to create it. And he could have created it, and it just didn't go. But that doesn't mean that... Tom isn't, you know, totally grateful and appreciative uh, of of all the opportunity that Bob Kraft gave him. It, it just and, and same with Belichick. Yeah, but yeah. say that he's disappointed. Well, he could have changed the course of that. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because within the last week or so, uh, with the two the, only the two wins start that uh, Bill Belichick has been talking about. You know, there was a time for a change because you know we had committed five years, one went to three Super Bowls, and all those different things that the cap was catching up to him. And of course, uh, you know, the one thing I look at is, and, and as you know, it's like no quarterback. Maybe in my era, your era, all those years has been as generous to the team in taking discounted contracts than Tom Brady to help make sure there's enough talent around him. Well, yeah, it was always very cap friendly, and, and he was he was very franchise oriented and, and teammate friendly and, and team friendly. So, you know, look, nothing is forever. Okay, Bill Belichick is brilliant. He's a genius. Just look at his success. Okay. Um, and obviously Bob Kraft was the one who owned the organization and kept it all together. So, you know, they got, they got all of the benefit of having Tom there, and Tom got all of the benefit of being able to be with him. And, uh, again, you know, if Tom had retired or if Tom, you know, had decided that, that, that it was enough, you know, it, 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 it probably would be the same result anyway. Players like Tom Brady are goats for a reason. Greatest of all time, right, John? Great. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So you could probably have, you know, the the definition of a goat is different for people. You could call Joe Montana a goat because for that era he was. Okay. So, or you could do it like Muhammad Ali said, "I'm the greatest of all times," and there was an S on it. Times. Okay. So. Um, it really wouldn't have mattered how Tom left or when he left or why he left. Whenever he left, it's not like you're just going to put Stidham, or Cam Newton, 
I mean, who in the league are you going to put in that spot? Which one? Which, which other GOAT? What other guy has that ability out there right now? Maybe in the future we'll call Patrick Mahomes that. Maybe uh, the moniker belongs to Aaron Rodgers, right? So it's, it, I'm going to go back to Al Davis. It's a vicious struggle to be number one, he used to say. One team wins and the other 31 are looking for answers. So it's been abnormal that the Patriots haven't been looking for answers, but it's been abnormal that they were able to have Tom Brady for all these years. I love the fact also in, in the book, Talking to Goats, that uh, you get into kind of the two-generation debate as to who was the, the greatest of all time playing basketball. I mean, you have Michael Jordan and you have LeBron James. You know, we both come from around the same era, and so we probably lean toward Michael Jordan, but there's no doubt that LeBron James has a whole generation of younger people that like this. It's like, what, what did you get into in the two stories with those two guys? Well, I think, I think you know, and, and, and let's put Kobe in there, too. Yeah. And Kobe can unfortunately no longer speak for himself, but Kobe was, Kobe was great, too. Uh, and, and and we all, you know, at least I do, and, and I know a lot of the fans do, you know, miss him on a daily basis and the influence that he was in, in our lives and, and, and the joy that he brought. Um, so, but, you know, Michael Jordan was was so unique and um, so special. And uh, it, it came along at a time, you know, where the torch had been passed, and, and that torch, you know, was, was, was that above the rim and, and the slam dunks and, you know, that we saw from Connie Hawkins to uh, Dr. J uh, to Michael to Kobe to now LeBron, uh, you know, and obviously that torch was passed in other ways as well to Burden Magic, who, who helped, uh, you know, reignite and, and, and save the league uh, and, 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 you know, other people who have come along uh, with those folks as well, uh, Duncan and Robinson. Uh, with the championships that they've won, and then in, 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 in more recent years, uh, Steph Curry, and uh, what we've seen with the Warriors. But when you look at when you look at the individuality, uh, you know it basically focuses on LeBron, and this guy's just incredible. Uh, the amount of finals that he has now performed in, and, and having won four championships on three different teams, um, you know, is truly truly remarkable. And 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 you know the the way that he has he has performed um is is indelible um but for those of us uh and those people up there in seattle obviously they remember uh that championship um run that the uh, sonics had, had tried to make uh with gary payton and coach carl and sean kemp and 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 you know that they were trying to duplicate the exploits uh, of what had happened with lenny wilkins and lonnie shelton and jack sigma and the great Gus Williams, Dennis Johnson, downtown Freddie Brown, Johnny Johnson, and that whole gang. How's that? That's not too bad, That's is it, John? Rather than off that group, huh? Talking to Goats, how does everybody get it? They can uh, go uh, log on to talkingtogoats.com, all one word, talkingtogoats.com, and they can order it, uh, or just uh, Google Talking to Goats and uh, HarperCollins, and you can get it at Barnes & Noble on Amazon.com, uh, all the great bookstores. Uh, in your in your local areas or, or wherever you get books, uh, uh, it's available. And the easiest way is talkingtogoats.com. Uh, I just started on Twitter, John. Oh, my uh, God. At, that's great. At Gray Official. I had never been on at Jim Gray. You, you going to catch my 1.4 million followers? 
Do I what? Are you going to be able to catch my 1.4 million followers? Oh, never. Of oh, course okay. not. I don't. Oh, no, 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 no. But I just I just signed up in the last few days. And uh, and then on Instagram, at Jim Gray or uh, at Talking to Goats. So TalkingToGoats.com, I appreciate it. Uh, John, I hope you enjoyed the book. And, and you know, you've given, uh, you've dedicated your life to uh, covering these sports and, and professional football. And uh, uh, you're a Hall of Famer and, and you're a GOAT. And uh, and uh, I know that you've been in the decision-making process for putting people into the Hall of Fame, and I would hope that one day here soon, uh, Canton knocks on your door. Well, in fact, they already have. I'm already in the Hall of Fame, which has been great. Hey, Jim, thanks for joining us on School with the Professor. <laughs> Thank you, John. For more of John Clayton's conversation with Jim Gray, you can subscribe to Schooled wherever it is you get your podcast. You can also download it at 710sports.com. Hey, you'll want to listen to 710 all day long tomorrow because we're bringing back our Blue Friday Code Word Contest for your chance to win a $100 Seahawks Pro Shop gift card. Learn more at 710sports.com slash win. When we return, we will go behind the lines. Let's go behind some enemy lines. Sean McVay gave his conference call this morning. What does he want to do to stop the Seattle offense? We'll take a listen next. Curtis Rogers filling in for the professor John Clayton on 710 ESPN Seattle. John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studios. On demand with the 710 Seattle Sports app. Curtis Rogers filling in for the professor here this morning on 710 ESPN Seattle. A couple of news items before we go behind the lines here uh, in this segment. Couple of, well, let's look at the Masters scoreboard right now, the leaderboard. Tiger Woods at minus four, two shots off the lead. Paul Casey leading at minus six through 11. But Tiger, he is lurking here on day one of the Masters. Uh, a little bit of a delay in the Masters today with the three-hour rain delay to get things going. But so far, it looks like it's going to be a very nice one for all you Tiger fans out there. Bryson DeChambeau, the odds-on favorite coming into this weekend. He's at minus one through 13. And then we got some Apple Cup news uh, coming down the wire just a little bit ago. ESPN will carry that game and it will be a 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 7.30 Pacific uh, kickoff for the Apple Cup. So 7.30 is when that game will kick off the day after Thanksgiving. Uh, It'll be down in Pullman, over in Pullman. So shout out uh, to the Cougs and Huskies getting a kickoff time. But as we've seen in college football this year, as we've seen in the Pac-12 through just one week, you can't really put that in ink. You can put it in pencil for that kickoff time. Uh, maybe there's something that moves it up earlier in the day. But it's going to be Pac-12 after dark, Pac-12 the day after Thanksgiving. So the Apple Cup kickoff time, 7.30 here on the West Coast. But let's go behind the lines uh, as we do each and every day here at 1045. Uh, Sean McVay, he had his conference call today with the Seattle media as the Rams are preparing to take on your Seattle Seahawks on Sunday and Seattle's defense obviously the topic at hand whenever the team is brought up right now it's on a historically bad pace so what did Sean McVay have to say when asked about what he expects to see from Seattle's defense I think what they're doing is they're going to figure out what they uh what they want to utilize their guys to do best and I think adding Dunlop being able to get Jamal Adams back does you know potentially change some of the things that they want to activate but 
you know Coach Carroll's going to have these guys ready to go. Uh, I think that they're giving a little bit more multiple looks and different things like that. Like you mentioned, there has been some man that's shown up, but overall, they've always been a good outfit that plays hard. Um, you know, I, I think uh, you look at that San Fran game. I think that's more indicative of the kind of defense this is. Is it, Sean? Because that was three quarters out of about 24 this season rather than the other 21 of those 24 quarters. I think Seattle's defense right now, it's ultimately up to Pete Carroll to fix this thing. It is ultimately up to him to fix it, whether that means doing something with Ken Norton Jr., whether that means doing something with the personnel out on the field. It is ultimately up to him to get this ship headed back in the right direction. And based off of that cut, to me it sounded like Sean McVay was doing everything he could to find complimentary words to say about Seattle's defense rather than saying, Look, boys, we're going to put up 30. Uh, we, we know this. We just got to stop their offense from putting up 30, and, and, and that's how it's going to be played on Sunday. Uh, to me, Seattle's defense is going to be the ultimate question mark on Sunday, and just how are they going to, to you know figure out stopping L.A.'s offense, which is not the offense. It's not the Brandon Cooks days. It's not the Todd Gurley days. It's not that offense, but it's still very, very effective. And I think the Rams are, are going to be able to, you know, maybe I, I don't see them putting up what the 49ers did in those three quarters, as Sean McVay pointed out in that cut. Uh, this is going to be another high-scoring one. Uh, it's going to be very, very difficult for them. McVay also was asked about the Rams' most recent loss, a team that Seattle beat earlier this season, and that would be to the Miami Dolphins, and was asked about the turnovers that ultimately cost the Rams in that game. They turned it over four times, including a scoop and score uh, that was returned for about 78 yards. Jared Goff had a rough go of it in Miami. McVay was asked about how they can limit those turnovers. Yeah, I mean, it's it's everything. I mean, really, other than points, there's no greater indicator of, of winning and losing games, and that's, you know, the history of this game than turnovers. And uh, we're minus two for the season. That's not nearly good enough. I think our defense has done a good job of taking it away in the last few weeks. And offensively, we have to take much better care of the football. And really, when you look at it, that is why we lost against the Dolphins. Uh, you know, you can look at a lot of different things, but but turnovers and inability to handle that pressure, we've moved on from that, but we certainly didn't ignore it. We learned from it, and I'm looking forward to seeing that reflected in our play as we move forward to this second half of the season. Turnovers have been the Rams. I think it's been something that they've really struggled with this season in their losses. You look at that four turnover game against the Dolphins. Uh, they turned it over against San Francisco. Jared Goff had an interception. They turned it over against Buffalo when they lost 35-32. Uh, they also had a fumble lost in that game as well. If Seattle is going to have a bend-but-don't-break defense, how do they maximize their time spent defensively. Well, it's generating turnovers. It's not letting the team get in the end zone. As we saw against the Bills on Sunday, Buffalo, all of their drives ended in a score except for a single punt in the second half of the game and a field goal, a missed field goal to end the first half. That is it. Seattle let them score every drive except for two, and one of those drives ended in an attempt to score. Seattle absolutely has to get some stops, and yeah, it's not it's not going to be sexy by any stretch of the imagination. The Seahawks are not going to be a team that you know forces many three and outs, but. 
if you can get your hands on the ball and have it go the other way, that is going to be so very beneficial for Seattle as they take on this Rams team here coming up on Sunday. Uh, Coming up next here with... Uh, I'm Curtis Rogers filling in for the professor, John Clayton. We will talk to Michael Bumpus as we do each and every Thursday. You can be sure to check out the professor's notes on 710sports.com. The professor's notes are brought to you by Infinity of Tacoma at 5. Up next, it is Michael Bumpus here, Curtis Rogers, filling in for John Clayton on 710 ESPN Seattle.